all six of us trying to absorb everything that we saw, everything that we heard, everything that we learned. And so today I would like to tell the story of our trip and focus on what God is saying to us as a church because of our time in Romania. Because I am convinced that God commissioned us to go so that we would bring something of great value back to Warrington Bible Fellowship that we would bring something back in light of how we've already begun to share the gospel beyond the walls of this building right here in our own community. And so before I begin, I need to show off, uh, you know, Hope showed off her uh, uh, language ability uh, earlier, so it's my turn. And I want to greet you uh, in Romanian in a couple of different ways. And the first is the common greeting uh, that Christians give one another in Romania, and that is pace which means peace. Amen. Pace. Pace. And I also want to really show off by giving you this greeting as well. Va salutum in numele domnului și mântuitor lui nosus Isus Christos. And I am sure I pronounced all of that exactly right. I mean... And that means greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have now heard about 95% of my Romanian. But right now in Eastern Europe, in Northwestern Romania, there's a former truck driver and his wife. They're both Romanians. And their 20-year-old son. And their 25-year-old daughter, who is a manicurist with two beautiful little girls. And her husband is actually working not too far from here, right here in Virginia, to raise money for his family and also for their ministry. And there are a few other members of the team as well, but they are all doing something that very, very few people in the world are doing. They are proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ to a people that really nobody wants anything to do with. And those people are, of course, the gypsies. The gypsies are descended from people who migrated to Romania from northern India about 800 years ago. And until about 1856, many of them were slaves. And because of their heritage, they generally look different, at least from the perspective of all of those white Europeans who are in the majority. So their darker skin makes them easy to identify, easier to single out for their almost universal hatred that the white Europeans have for the gypsies. Romanians, that is, those people who are not gypsies, are descended from three tribes that lived in what is now Romania in an area that became Romania after the Romans took control of it way back in the first century A.D. And tradition says that Romanians ought not to have anything to do with the gypsies. And this is in spite of the fact that most Romanians today identify with Christianity. In 2011, 81% of the country's stable population identified as Eastern Orthodox. Other denominations are Roman Catholicism and Greek Catholicism and even Calvinism. And each one of those make up about 3-4% to of the population. And what is remaining is about 2% who are Pentecostals. And so while a form of Christianity prevails in Romania, the Orthodox and, and other denominations are not biblically sound. Instead of being vessels for the power of the gospel to change lives, what these churches offer is predominantly tradition 
and a works-based salvation. And in fact, the Orthodox Church, I read somewhere, even discourages evangelism. A church that discourages evangelism. And so while many gypsies do identify with Eastern Orthodoxy, they do so because it's the majority religion. It used to be the state religion. And Orthodoxy is even now still taught in the public schools that the gypsies go to. But they don't really know Christ. They don't know Christ because the Orthodox Church doesn't proclaim biblical Christianity. And so just like their Romanian counterparts, the gypsies' hearts and lives remain effectively unchanged. And then, you add to that, on top of this empty shell of tradition and works-based religion is the gypsies' own bad reputation that they have cultivated by centuries of bad behavior. And so whether the gypsies are nomadic or, or whether they're settled in villages, which most of them are in Romania, while not universally so, they're generally known for their poverty. And some are poor beyond comprehension. This picture here is in a room about 12 or 15 feet square where nine children live. And it has a dirt floor and their beds, sort of makeshift beds shoved in the corner. They live in squalid conditions. It's sort of a third world right in the midst of a basically westernized culture. They're also known for their, generally speaking, for their dishonesty and unruliness. And in some ways, they are completely lacking in restraint and discipline. And again, while not universally true, their reputation is that they're dirty and that they steal and they beg and they speak of perverse things and they're violent. In short, they are just as anyone would be who doesn't have Christ. They live against the Spirit. They live in a way that is opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. They live according to the works of the flesh because they don't know Jesus Christ. And so with all of the sectarianism that we know about in Europe, all the division among all those ethnic groups that we hear about throughout Europe, the gypsies manage to unite all those diverse European people groups in one way. All of those people are united in their disdain for the gypsies. And that hatred runs deep. So much so that even people who call, them, call themselves Christians despise them and neglect them and discriminate against them and wish they would just go away. That is, except for one former truck driver and his family, this man that we know as Pastor Ovidio. His fellow Romanians see a cesspool of the lowest form of humanity. But this man sees fields that are ripe for the gospel harvest. In these hopeless, despicable, empty, unlovable people, these beggars and thieves, he sees fellow image bearers of the Almighty God. Image bearers who need the power of the gospel to deliver them to salvation. Image bearers who need the love of Jesus Christ. People who need their lives changed by the gospel. The gospel which can bring them Hope, speranza, speranza in Romanian. Hope that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And so for a few precious days at the end of July and the, at the beginning of this month, uh, David Winks and Audrey Edwards, Kelly Kavakis, Hope Speranza Burnham, 
Ashley, James, and I, we got to be a part of that former truck driver's ministry, and it was incredible. You as a church sent us to Romania to work with and learn from Pastor Ovidio and his team. Uh, you, you remember he's come here about three times in the last three years uh, to share what God is doing among the gypsies. So now it was our turn to go to him to see for ourselves what God was doing. We left on July 27th. Uh, we ended up in Budapest, Hungary on my 51st birthday, by the way, on July 28th. And then the next day, we took a seven-hour ride to Speranza Pintru Vitor on my t-shirt here and on the team members' t-shirts. This is the Hope for the Future camp near Seget in northern Romania, just across the river from Ukraine. And this camp, of course, has a special place in our hearts as a church because David Winks and his family have a very strong connection with this camp. And this began uh, at a church in Maryland that they used to attend that supported this ministry. And their son, Michael, ministered there before he tragically went home to the Lord a few years ago. And so in 2012, David and Laura and Lucy uh, raised uh, money and helped build this cabin in memory of Michael. And many of you remember that because you contributed financially. But for most of the summer, Pastor Ovidio and his team run a camp for children. But because of scheduling conflicts, we arrived right after the last week of the camp. And so God had other plans for us. The first thing we experienced on Saturday is that we attended a wedding of a young couple that's part of Pastor Ovidio's uh, uh, main church. He has planted 16 churches and counting in various gypsy villages throughout the region. And then on Sunday, we worshiped with our brothers and sisters at three churches and attended a river baptism where six gypsies were baptized. And at each church, I was honored to speak on behalf of you, on behalf of Warrington Bible Fellowship. And what I did is I shared our lessons from Ephesians about the unity that true believers have in Christ and about how no matter who we are, we're one in Him and that together we're the church. And together we are equals in Christ. We're equals because the cost of our sin was the same no matter who we are. We were bought with the same price, every single one of us. And I felt like that was an important message especially for the gypsies to hear because our American reputation is that we come in with our money and our status in the world and we feel superior to them and they need to hear that in Christ we're the same they needed to see that we see them as brothers and sisters as equals in the Lord fellow forgiven sinners and that message resonated with the Gypsy Church in Medesh Aurit. And they wanted us to receive this passage as their prayer for unity with us. They wanted to make sure that we uh, heard this and received this passage from them. And this is Ephesians 2, 17-20. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. And so we stand in unity and fellowship with the church at Medeesh, Aurit, and then also in Adrian, 
and in Sarata. They are our brothers and sisters forever. We're going to spend eternity with them. Hallelujah. David also had the chance to share at each one of the churches, and he urged them to share the gospel boldly and with power. And he read from 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The message that we need to hear as well. And then Kelly and Ashley, Hope and Audrey, they, they also shared songs with each congregation. And it was a sweet time of fellowship with our church family 5,000 miles away from home. But then, Monday through Thursday was where was, we spent the bulk of our time in this little town of 1,200 people called Kalinsa. Kalinsa. And this is a place I will never forget. Not only because of its beauty, it is a beautiful place, but I'm going to remember it because of its people, and because of the lessons that God taught our team there, and because of the lesson that God is teaching us as a church from those dusty streets in Colensa. You see, before we left Romania, we realized that God meant for us to go so that we could learn from Pastor Ovidio and his team. We weren't going as Americans to impart our so-called wisdom on them. But we were going to go in humility and submit ourselves to Pastor Ovidio's ministry, knowing that God wanted to work in us, perhaps even more than He wanted to work through us. And so we agreed prayerfully to consider the answers to two questions. Number one, what is God teaching me personally? Why in the world is God sending me to this place? I never thought I would end up in Romania. What does God want me to learn? And then number two, as the team for Warrington Bible Fellowship, what does God want us to bring back home? What is the lesson for Warrington Bible Fellowship? Well, in, during Sunday school, you're going to get to hear our individual answers to those questions. And our, and our answers vary somewhat depending on where we are in our walk with the Lord, of course. But for the rest of our time together now, I want to focus on God's answer to that second question. What does God want us as a church to learn from our time with Pastor Ovidio and his team and from being among the gypsies? And brothers and sisters, the answer is simple. But it's kind of frightening. It can be. The answer, brothers and sisters, comes in the form of another question. And the question is this. As we go beyond the walls of this building, are we willing... Are we ready individually and as the body of Christ in Warrington to suffer for the sake of the Gospel? Are we willing to suffer for Jesus Christ? Let me read to you Romans 5, verses 3-5. through Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, in the first four chapters of Romans, Paul laid out uh, how we are justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. Since we trust in Christ, we're at peace with God. 
And we're assured that we're counted as righteous because of the blood of Christ and because of our faith in Him. Our confidence is based entirely on the work of Christ and the fact that Jesus was put to death for our sins and then He was raised again so that we are declared to be just before God. And then in verse 2 of Romans 5, we read, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This rejoicing has the element of boasting, and some of our Bible translations put it that way. But it's not self-centered boasting. This isn't like the gold medalists we've seen who are just basking in their own glory, gloating in their victories. This is an appropriate public rejoicing in God that is only possible in somebody who knows the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a jubilation about our totally dependable God. Our absolute assurance. It's a faith-filled hope that knows that even though Satan is still prince of this earth, it will not always be so. And so we're confident that no matter what happens today, the ultimate outcome is absolutely sure. And so in verse 2, our assurance is absolute for God's glory in all of His plans for creation. And it's in that that we boast and rejoice. And not only that in verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. How can that be? Well, it's the same boastful joy in the Lord, knowing that even in our suffering for the sake of Christ, God is working out His good plan. And the fruit of that suffering is that it produces in us things of eternal value, endurance and character and hope. And so that through our suffering for Christ's sake, God teaches us to be more faithful to Him. And He grows us to maturity in Christ. And He grows our confidence in His power to work in and through our suffering so that ultimately we know that even our suffering brings glory to God. But for us to understand this passage more and its meaning for us as a church, I've got to resume our story. Kalinsa is on the Soms River. And the first written record of this town was in 1423. So it's been there just a little while. It was inhabited uh, primarily by Romanians until about 120 years ago when the gypsies came and uh, began to settle on a piece of adjoining land. Pastor Ovidio and his team have been visiting this village periodically for four years. They've been teaching the gypsy children Christian songs and ministering to their needs and sharing the love of Christ with them. So four years of ministry culminated in our visit. This was to be the first time that Pastor Ovidio would set up his tent there. This was the big event. This was a, a great milestone in all of those years of ministry because this was to be when they would have the opportunity, these children would have the opportunity to receive Christ because the foundation of the teaching had been laid. And so this was the time to give them that opportunity to receive Christ. There's a little gypsy school there. It's a public school, and this is where the tent was set up. And when we arrived, it, it was amazing. The children just flocked to us. First time they'd ever seen us, and they just flocked to us. David and I, immediately, we were in these really tough thumb-wrestling matches with the boys, and i got to tell you, they're strong, and I lost a lot of mine. I don't know about David. I think some of the ladies were involved in that too. But we gave hugs, and we gave high fives, and pats on the head, and, and a whole lot of smiles. 
But I've got to tell you something. What blew my mind was how quickly Audrey and and Ashley and Kelly and Hope made a connection with the kids. And I've just got to brag on them for a minute. Even though none of us knew Romanian, except for a few words here and there, except for Hope who was absorbing them like a sponge, the language barrier wasn't a, wasn't a problem for them. Even the filthy faces weren't, a, weren't an issue. They jumped in with both feet. And within minutes, and I'm not kidding, within moments almost, the ladies were playing those complicated hand-clapping games that I think only girls can understand. They've always confused the daylights out of me. And they're sharing funny pictures on their phones. They're smiling and they're gesturing and laughing. And they're speaking the language of love. And so that's what our team, including David, did for the whole time we were there. And to say that I'm proud of them is an incredible understatement. Because these were not easy circumstances, especially for the ladies. It was difficult for them to maintain their modesty in the midst of a mob of children, including boys who were virtually unschooled in proper behavior. And yet all the while, Kelly, Ashley, Audrey, Hope, and David, they all maintained their composure. They did not tolerate sinful behavior. And yet they made the reason for our being there incredibly obvious. We were there to serve them the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what Pastor Ovidio told his team after witnessing this is he said, you know, the Americans have a lot more money than we do, but they show that they care about the children. They demonstrated that they love the children. You see, again, the expectation is that us Americans are just going to bring a whole lot of stuff and try to take control. But what we brought instead was servanthood. We brought the love of Christ. The only thing that can bring hope. The only thing that can bring true speranza. And Pastor Ovidio said that the hope that we testified to in our caring for those children is going to have an impact not only on the gypsy community, but on the Romanians who can't stand the gypsies. Because everybody knows we came a long way and we spent a lot of money to get there, but we didn't come there to go on vacation. We came there to care for these children who are right under their noses. These people whom they despise. And that's what we did Monday through Thursday. But you know, it was about on Tuesday night. I was lying in bed. This was after a couple of days of struggling to find ways of communicating with the kids, struggling to find my own purpose for being there. And so I just prayed that the Holy Spirit would not only speak to me, but to speak to all of us on the next day. Because I realized that most of my energy had been spent on just trying to get used to being in a strange place where nobody could speak my language and feeling ashamed that I hadn't learned more of their language before I got there. And so I was feeling pretty useless and certainly out of place. But then I remembered those questions. What is God saying to me? And what is God saying to WVF? And I prayed that the Holy Spirit would reveal those answers to us on the next day. And my goodness, did he ever. Did he ever. What God showed us is two kinds of suffering. 
the first kind of suffering is the result of sin. And the second kind of suffering is the result of the love that true believers have for Jesus Christ because of the hope that He gives us. The kind of joyful suffering that we see in Romans 5.3. Most of us on the team connected, especially with one child. For me, it was Andre, a nine-year-old boy. He's the second to the last of 13 children. He's in the middle of this picture here. And I promised him through a translator that I would pray for him every day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that promise. But it was a boy named Maus who stole Ashley's heart. He's around six or seven years old. And I'm just going to let Ashley describe him in her own words. And she writes this. He is the poorest in the village. His house is made of dirt. His mother abuses him. The kids in the village abuse him. He has a constant pain in his ear. He is constantly being hit in the head or kicked. The kids don't like to touch him or play with him because he is dirty. His clothes don't fit him. He is made fun of. He is a special needs child. Slower than the others, he isn't able to communicate well. He puts most things in his mouth. <laughs> and he's easily amused. And despite living in constant abuse, he has a smile that lights up the world and is so captivating. He is such a happy little boy, playing and enjoying life. He naturally shares with other kids, especially one of the boys in the village. He isn't used to hugs or affection. He cowers at a raised voice or hand. He likes bugs and he played a long time with the moth. He doesn't have much toys or anything. One day he will have shoes and, and another day he is barefoot. He isn't able to play in the games because he doesn't understand. He is left out of things. You know, one of the things that I noticed about gypsies who are the lowest class of people in Romania is that they're just like any, any other class of people in that same kind of situation. And that is that they manage to find some living creature who is lower than they are that they can abuse. In another village, I witnessed a man kick a dog as hard as he possibly could, right in the ribs. And the dog, at the minimum, had some broken ribs if he even survived it. Now, one of our teams saw a boy throwing rocks at a horse just for the fun of it. Well, Maus is for gypsy boys in Talenza like that horse or dog. Their verbal and physical abuse was relentless and he was in tears very often while we were there. And so imagine this. There is nowhere that this boy can go without being physically or verbally abused. Absolutely nowhere. Maus isn't alone. We've heard other stories as well. But it's this kind of cruelty within much of gypsy culture that Maus and his peers grow up in. It's a lack of compassion that's only punctuated by the rest of Romanians, uh, Romanian culture's absolute disdain for them and the Orthodox Church's neglect to proclaim biblical Christianity that would result in changed lives. And in fact, Pastor Ovidia told us that he has seen in the villages where people have received Christ 
where He has preached the Gospel to them that among those gypsies there is a decrease in crime and the whole town is elevated in their quality of life. But what God revealed to us that Wednesday is the real cruelty of human beings without Jesus Christ. Ashley Ashley saw the pain in Maus's eyes. She wasn't the only one who saw that pain. She saw how there is no hope for him, really, except that he know the Lord. And so she showed him a little bit of who Jesus is by loving him. And Maus every day would come to her as his refuge. And I've got to tell you, it was awfully, awfully hard to leave him there. But what we were witnessing, of course, is who we are if we don't have Christ. Who we were when we didn't have Christ. The utter despair and hopelessness of not knowing the Lord. And how in our sinful nature, we would also strive to be somebody who matters by turning to the same thing that the gypsy children turn to, and that is to be cruel to one another to try to claim superiority and power. They cheat at every game they play in all of them, all at once, and every single one of them claims victory. They crave any kind of affirmation that they can get, just like a man who was lost in the desert would crave water. But the problem is, they're chasing a mirage. And that's the first kind of suffering we saw that day in Kalinsa. The pointless kind. The, the pitiful suffering that is caused by lost souls by people who are as we once were, unloved and unlovable, cruel, scratching and clawing for significance and purpose. And where is the church in Kalinsa? Well, here's a picture of one I grabbed from Google. I couldn't find one among the thousands of pictures that we took. But this is the cruelest thing of all. There are a few churches there, and this is one of them. They are beautiful buildings to look at. But I'm afraid that's about all. There's no ministry to the children. There's no proclamation of the good news. There's no boasting in the hope of the Gospel. And so instead, a, a truck driver and his family and his team and a precious, these precious followers of Christ are the ones who travel a long way to bring Christ to Kalinsa. Kalinsa. And this is exactly when we saw the second kind of suffering. And this suffering didn't cause us to grieve so much as it caused us to rejoice and praise God. Caused in us a conviction and inspired in us a deeper faith and trust in God than I ever knew was possible. After the activities that Wednesday, Kelly and I took aside members of Pastor Ovidio's team to interview them on video. And you're going to get to see those videos sometime in the near future. But after the cameras turned off, they started to open up to us like they hadn't before. And even then, it was halting and reluctant, but they began to speak of their hardships in this ministry. And they began to weep. And we wept with them. And the reason is, brothers and sisters, is we found out that they don't receive regular funding from anybody. And so 
that makes the gift that we gave them all the more an answered prayer, a blessing, so they can continue this ministry for the next several months. But what you need to know is they fund this ministry themselves. They use as much of, uh, as they can of what they earn by working to reach the gypsies with the gospel. Dolly, for instance, uh, Pastor Video's daughter, only works periodically. She goes to Germany and saves up her money. And her husband, Eunice, is in Stafford County. He's been there for several months and he's earning money not only for their household but for their ministry so that they can bring that money back home and put all they can into paying for supplies and travel expenses for this ministry because no one else is proclaiming Christ to the gypsies. And that means great sacrifice for them. And it means suffering. And they suffer so that they can proclaim Christ to liars and to thieves and to beggars in villages that are sometimes hours away from home. And not only are they uh, under physical hardship, but the Romanians don't like what they're doing and there are horrible accusations toward them about what they're actually doing. And so Dolly and her brother Benny and Pastor Ovidio with his wife's help sometimes and a two born-again uh, gypsies named Adi and Adrian and Sebi, all of them make this same sacrifice so that the Gospel can be preached. They're not going out looking for suffering but they're willing to suffer if it means that somebody's going to be saved. And that means that sometimes they don't have enough to eat. It means they don't have enough firewood to heat their home in those cold Romanian winter nights. And it means that they didn't stay in the hotel that we stayed in while we were there. It means they spent the night on the floor of the school and in other villages when they go, they spend their night in their cars. And yet, brothers and sisters, they're not asking for money. They're depending on the Lord for it, yes. But when Pastor Ovidio has come here to speak, he has never once asked. He puts his trust completely in the Lord to provide what they need because he knows this ministry isn't about money or being comfortable. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about, it's about reaching the lost to give them true speranza, true hope. And so as Kelly and I stood there listening and weeping with them, Pastor Ovidio said, but God always provides. And I've got to tell you, that just shattered me. And I wept, and I wept. And the reason, of course, I did was because of the obvious beauty, ironic beauty of their suffering for the sake of the lost. But you know what? I wept for myself because I realized how puny my faith is. I realized how much I depend on good old American overabundance, on having things that make me happy and comfortable, and how I neglect the gospel 
for the sake of my reputation, for the sake of my comfort and my plans and my goals and my convenience. And I also wept for the church universal in America and how we have seemed to have forgotten how to suffer for Christ, much less how to rejoice in our suffering. We have largely forgotten that proclaiming the Gospel is not convenient. It doesn't fit neatly into our American dream, and it doesn't fit neatly into our busy lives. In fact, our faith and hope in Christ means that we must rearrange our lives around the Gospel because we love Jesus Christ. We've got to realize that there's a cost to following Christ and that we are called to suffer so that others might know the Lord. And how do we know this? It's because Christ suffered for us. He suffered for the sake of our salvation. And so by His example, we too must suffer as we testify to His power to save. And our suffering... This is the incredible thing that only God can do. Our suffering becomes a comfort to each other and also to the unsaved. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 4-7 through So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, ministry isn't about money, as helpful as it is. But the desire of Pastor Ovidio's heart is for people who love the gypsy. He appreciates our money, don't get me wrong, but he wants people who love the gypsies, people who are willing to invest themselves in those liars and thieves. People who are willing to suffer for their sake. So that as they minister to the gypsies having suffered themselves, they can offer true hope to them as they can boast from experience our God always provides our God saves our God gives eternal life our God keeps his promises our God is the God of speranza the God of hope and so as I drive my tears a week and a half ago Wednesday, and you can see I haven't been entirely successful. Adi, this dear brother in Christ, a born-again gypsy who came to the Lord through Pastor Ovidio's ministry and now is a member of his team. He quoted Romans 5.3 to explain their willingness to suffer for Christ. But we rejoice in our suffering. Brothers and sisters, we have far more than a pretty building to offer the people of Warrington. God has moved among us. He has made us a teaching and equipping church to proclaim the gospel. We are not an event that happens once a week, but we are a fellowship gathered under the headship of Jesus Christ to serve the living God. And we're here not only to receive, but to serve each other and to comfort one another as we make new disciples. And we're to teach and equip those disciples to maturity in Christ. And God's desire 
is that we offer ourselves for the sake of boys and girls like Maus in Warrington to liars, to beggars, to thieves, to the cruel, to the dirty, to the rich, to the poor, to the black and the white. And we need to do that so that they can find true speranza, so they can find true hope. And so the question that God is asking us from the dusty streets of Kalinta is this. Are you, are we, as the body of Christ, willing to suffer in order to proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Holy God, I thank You and praise You for these lessons that You have taught us. I thank You and praise You for the faithfulness of Your servants who went to Romania and loved those children. Heavenly Father, I ask for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we might reach out to the children, to the lost, to the people with no hope right here in Warrington, that they may find Jesus Christ. Hallelujah and amen. Change my heart. Oh.